Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our morning Bible study with the Day of Prayer. We're so glad you could join us as we continue to discuss 2 Samuel. Before we get into the Word, who would like to volunteer to open us up in prayer? I will. All right, God. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God. I mean, we just welcome you into our midst, God, and ask that you come in and have your way with us in our Bible study, God. We ask that you give us understanding and discernment in all things, God, and that you give us the wisdom as we proceed and we read and to help us see what you see and glean what it is you want us to learn, God. We ask all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so this morning we are in 2 Samuel chapter 18. I get a volunteer to read the first 18 verses. Yes, I will read. All right, Charles. And David numbered the people who were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of of hundreds over them. Then David sent out one-third of the people under the hand of Joab, one-third under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said to the people, I also will surely go out with you myself. But the people answered, You shall not go out, for if we flee away, they will not care about us. Nor if half of us die, they will care about will they care about us. But you are worth ten thousand of us now, for you are more help to us in the city. Then the king said to them, Whatever seems best to you I will do. So the king stood beside the gate, and all the people went out by hundreds and by thousands. Now the king said to Now the king had commanded Joab, Abishai, and Ittai, saying, Do gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave the captain's orders concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field of battle against Israel. And the battle was in the woods of Ephraim. The people of Israel were overthrown there before the servants of David, and a great slaughter of twenty thousand took place that day. For the people who were scattered for the people there were scattered over the face of the whole countryside, and the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Then Absalom met the servants of David. Absalom rode on a mule. The mule went under the thick boughs of a great boughs, boughs of a great turban tree, and his head was caught in the turban tree. So he was left hanging between heaven and earth, and the mule which was under him went on. Now a certain man saw and told Job and said, I saw Absalom hanging in a turbid tree. Terebinth. Thank you, Leo. So Job said to the man who was told him, You just saw him, and why did you not strike him there to the ground? I would have given you ten shekels of silver and a belt. But the man said to Job, Though I were to receive a thousand shekels of silver in my hand, I will not rise my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king commanded you and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware, lest anyone touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I will adult falsely against my own life. For there is nothing hidden from the king, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. Then Job said, I cannot linger with you. And he took three spears in his hand and thrust them through Ab- Absalom's heart while he was still alive in the midst of the turbineth. Terabith. Tree. Yeah. Tree. And ten young men who bore Job's armor surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. So Job blew the trumpet, and the people turned from pursuing Israel. For Job held back the people. And they took Absalom and cast him into a large pit in the woods and laid a very large heap of stones over him. Then all, the, then all Israel fled, everyone to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and set up a pillar for himself, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. He called the pillar after his own name, and to this day it is called Absalom's Monument. 
a lot in there. There's a ton that we read. But I'm interested in what the Holy Spirit has revealed to you, the four of you especially, and or what questions or comments you have. So we'll start with you, the four of you. How come Joab said he was going to give him a belt? It was a thing of honor, kind of building up his armor. Mm-hmm. Armor and or something that you can use daily, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the bigger point of that? You was trying to bribe him? Hmm. Trying to bribe him. Or not even bribe him because he didn't already act it out. He said, if you would have done this, I would have given you this. You act first and then I would have rewarded you, essentially. Right? Yes. Hmm. But the man was wise and he said, otherwise, like if I had even thought about it, he would have dealt falsely with his own life. The man had more wisdom and sense than to believe what Joab was telling him. Like, mm, I've seen King David in action. And every time somebody does that, the person that thinks they're doing him a favor ends up dying, being killed instead. And it's not a secret. So, Right. And he even goes so far to say, no, you wouldn't have given me a belt. It would have been your sword, essentially, that killed him, right? You see, he says, and you yourself would have set yourself against me. So in other words, you have here in this moment, Joab's also not being truthful. No. It sounds great. May even been what a natural-minded person would have looked at and and taken as, I'd say, bait and looked for a reward. Mm -hmm. Right? Been deceived by. However, this person clearly had some wisdom. Said no, the, the cost of that is is my own life, and I'm not willing to pay that cost. Mm-hmm. Yes. So be wise. Be able to see past what people want you to see, what they present you right in your face. For the reality of the situation, if you are unaware of what that is, like anything else, let it pass before the Lord. I'm going to pass before Jesus. He's the last Adam. Bring it before him. And guess what? He sent the Holy Spirit who will give us discernment and even lead us and guide us into what we should say and how we should act or what we should do, even in that very moment. This is important. It's an important aspect and principle to receive and then apply to our lives in all things. So let's learn this and let's apply it to our lives so that we can continue to be blameless before our our Lord and our Father. Yes. What else? I'm slightly intrigued that Joab didn't try to deny the allegations, what the guy said, and you'd set yourself against me if I had raised my hand against Absalom. He didn't try to deny it. He just said, no, I must go. I can't linger with you. In other words, I can't be held up by you. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about this. So even Joab knew what was true. That the, the words this person was saying were absolutely truth. And the fact that he took three spears to get Absalom. I was like, aren't you being a bit excessive? And it wasn't just three spears. And ten, and ten other people oh, all yes. thrust him through. But, I mean, he got him in the heart with three spears. That was plenty the first time. Exactly. That that it's excessive. Heart. Exactly. Like, a heart's only so big. Three spearheads, and they're heavy and long and bulky. But what does that say to you? He had no regard for Absalom, and he probably had contempt for him. It's emotion. Emotions. People driven by emotions are excessive. 
I have yet to see someone act being led by the Holy Spirit that takes it to in this extreme level. The Lord always gives exactly what's needed. Does it, um, is it barely winning the battle? Absolutely not. The Lord wins decisively. However, he always does exactly what's required. It's never this very extreme, very, um, that's the word I'm looking for. I'll just say excessive. It's never this overly excessive thing that then people comment and they're like, wow, that was really extreme. Did it really need to be taken to that level? But it shows where Joab was at in that moment and what was leading and driving him. Instead of listening to the, the guidance given by, well, his king in the natural world, but even the Lord driving that just, just out of obedience. He let his emotions take over and rule his thoughts and his actions. Yes. Well, I have a question. Do you guys think that maybe um, Joab was starting to feel like all this was his fault? Yes. Remember that the scheme that he concocted with the wise woman, the quote-unquote wise woman? Not a prophet of the Lord, but... Someone who would be convincing and was maybe articulate or persuasive with words. Yes. And was esteemed as wise or, you know, full of counsel, a good counsel in the community. Yes. And he probably thought, hmm, if I hadn't done any of this, we wouldn't be out here right now. Now, we know in the spiritual side of it, God had already said what was coming towards David because he opened the door to the enemy the wicked one in his life, and now he was going to always have a sword in his house because he committed such crimes against the Lord and in disobedience to what God had already told him to do and not do. But Joab's emotion concerning this, initially I thought, oh, maybe he's just tired because David always kind of did this with people. He danced around with Saul Looking at it in a natural standpoint, David did what was right concerning Saul, not reaching out his hand to touch the Lord's anointed or try to um, mm -hmm. exalt himself in a moment. Here's my opportunity. Here's my chance. I'll kill you to get what you have. You notice he had avoided that in his life previously. But with Uriah, he did just that. I'll kill you to get what you have, right, to get Bathsheba. Yes. Um, well, so initially I thought Joab was kind of tired of David's ways his personality, which is like, have mercy on them, spare this one. And, you know, they'd end up fighting 10 times longer, you know, like looking at it from a natural standpoint, because David took the God route with people most of the time and yes. let the forgave. Lord, yep, he forgave mm -hmm. and he let the Lord bring about whatever results he wanted instead of trying to do it himself. But then as I was, you know, sitting here just now listening to the Holy Spirit, I see there's some accountability, responsibility that Joab has. Absolutely. That perhaps has persuaded him to be so emotional about this. This thing wouldn't even happen. Looking at from Job, Joab's um, Perspective. input. Yeah, and mm -hmm. what he might be thinking. Like, man, the king left him there all this time. I'm the one that asked him to bring him back because I was tired of seeing him mope and be sad about it. And I did this. I concocted it. And Joab knew the secret things that he had done. He knew the, the schemes and the depth of his scheming to bring this person about and being in the kingdom. And he knew when Absalom burned his field, the writings on the wall were the kind of man Absalom is, but he still didn't say or do anything beyond that. And exactly. he yet participated in Absalom's treachery by asking him to be brought before the king and relaying a message, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. So question, you know, just do you think he feels responsible? And that's why he's a little bit more angry about it. Yes. And, and violent. And he was very sure that there was no way he was going to walk away from this. That who was going to walk away? Oh, that Absalom was going to walk away He was going to make sure it. that there wasn't a little bit of life left in him. Nobody could revive you or find you. Because well, why? Because that's the natural means or, or mindset in how to deal with the situation. You can't lead a rebellion if you are not in existence and his in other this life. And his other cohort had already killed himself. It hit the fell. Yes. So. And in, in this uprising, the other cohort was already. Well, what's David's 
you, you see this throughout first and second Samuel up to this point really how has he dealt with people that have been his enemy he typically says, the Lord judge between you and I. In other words, the Lord's going to deal with you. Yes. He'll bring it back on your head. So the bigger lesson here for us, and we've said this in the past, and we'll say it again because it's good for us, as a reminder, as a safeguard for us, is bring it before the Lord, right? And be aware of the schemes of the enemy so that we are not willing or unwilling, witting, knowing or unknowing, participants in the devil's schemes. Yes, the Lord said what he said, which is the, the sword was never going to leave the house of David for the rest of his days. He said that. However, we don't have to be a participant in bringing that about because David's still the Lord's anointed. I don't have to... Me personally, I don't. I didn't have to be David's enemy, if you will, right? For the Lord to still accomplish the purpose, which was discipline and keeping, bringing David back to Him. Yes. Right, okay. So, likewise, we should not be unaware of the schemes of the enemy, and we shouldn't go along with with those things and making it more difficult for our brothers and sisters in Christ. That is the bigger lesson to learn, to understand, and then to move forward. And, or, and, and by move forward, I mean prevent that from even being a situation in your life. Yes. All right, and you see this throughout Scripture, right? Anytime, even when there's discipline to the nation of Israel, right, and they're in captivity or whatever the case is, right? Yes. What does the Lord always say? He always says he's still going to look out for them, even in captivity, but also how the people, their captors, treat them is going to matter, and the Lord will judge them by that. Yes. Okay, our job, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, but also to encourage, admonish, so on and so forth, right? Equip and train and teach, and all those things our brothers and sisters in Christ to walk blameless before the Lord, not make it difficult for them. Yes. How can I encourage you if I'm kicking you while you're down? You can't. Yeah. Okay, right? That doesn't make any sense. In that moment, you've all but become an adversary, right? Yes. There is one adversary. There is the devil. Let's not go along with his plans. Right, that's why the Lord's given us the armor and all these, and, and first and foremost, the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, but that also so that we can defeat the schemes of the devil. But it comes with being focused on the Lord, with what he is saying and leading through his Holy Spirit and doing those things. Not what we think is right because it's what our eyes see and our ears hear, but what the Holy Spirit says. Only. Yes. Yes. Not taking part of the Lord's plan and part of our plan and jumbling it all up together and saying, that's good. Mm -hmm. Only what the Spirit's leading us to do. Mm -hmm. Only what the, whole, what the Lord through His Holy Spirit is leading. Yes, Dad. Did you have something you wanted to share on him? I do. Okay. So if we can think back to David for just a moment, you know, um, Galatians 6, verse 7 through 9, Galatians 6, verses 7 through 9. I'll give you guys a moment to get there. I'm there. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will that he also I'm sorry, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Mm -hmm. 
And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. So as we're thinking about David, you know, the, the time where he was in the, in the castle when the kings were supposed to be out at war, when he was supposed to be going out with his troops, he lost heart in doing good. He got distracted or whatever the case may be. He grew weary in it and sowed to his flesh. And now he's in the, the season in the process of reaping the corruption that comes along with sowing to your flesh. We, we've talked about spiritual laws in the past. And yes. when we sow to our flesh, God is not giving us our comeuppance, if you will, because he would have just let us go to hell. There would have been no reason to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us to blot out our sins if he was just going to turn us over to our comeuppance, if you will. So, of yes. course, he wants us to have everlasting life. But there are spiritual laws in play. And here it is right here. He who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. That's a spiritual law. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. But when we sow to the spirit, right? But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. But that's also everlasting life coming forward and springing forth in your day, today, your, new, your walk while you're um, a new man or woman in Christ, right? It's also yes, bringing yes. life to your every day. And then after we leave this physical body, eternal life in the end and welcoming us into heaven to the Lord, right? Yes. So... We notice that David comes back to his, his place of going, I'm going to go out with you guys. You guys, did you notice that? Yes. He said, I'm, I'm going to go out to battle. And then everybody else was like, wait, no, wait, now you can stay here. Even though they encouraged him to stay there, his heart was still to go. Versus beforehand, his heart was to not go when he should have gone. You see the difference? Him yes. reassuming that role and taking his place of authority that God gave him. This is what you do. You fight the you fight the fights that God asks you to fight. And then when he if he says no, stay here and do it this way, that's fine. But your heart is ever ready and ever willing to stand wherever he whatever it is he asks you to stand. Whether he told you to be an engineer, whether he told you to be a mother, whether he told you to be a father, whether he told you to be you stand whatever ready, that, that calling and that plan is whatever it is the capacity no matter how big or small whatever he gave you to do you do it with all your heart you yeah. be ever ready to stand mm -hmm. in that place and position until he offers you other counsel until he says okay this is how i want you to fulfill that role today but not you going no i don't want to do that anymore no i'm not going to take that place because i think i don't want to i you know etc cetera, etc cetera. i have all these reasons but david resumed his role this is how a king behaves. This is what a king does. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know the Lord, that's sowing to the spirit in that capacity. Now it's also weaving back in God being able to help him and interact on his behalf. We yes. can either loose the Holy Spirit in the hands of God to help us in life, or we can bind his hands by our choices and our actions and behaviors, of whether or not we allow God to come in and show the fullness of who he is on our behalf. I think it's... um. Is it First Chronicles that talks about the eyes of the Lord that okay. are searching? They're going to and fro throughout the whole earth looking, looking for someone whose heart is faithful or perfect towards him mm -hmm. so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. You got it, sweetheart? Yes, what is it? Read it for me, darling. Chronicles, Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Do I keep reading this? Um, no, no, that, that, that's, that's good. good. That, that, again, reestablishes and reiterates God's heart to us. He's looking for somebody who will believe him. If he asks you to be a popcorn maker, make that popcorn. With joy in your heart, standing on the fact that God asked you to do it. And do it to the best of your ability, always, ever ready to be in that place that he asked you to be in. Because when you do, when your heart's just saying, yes, God, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll do what you ask me to do. However you want me to do it, now he's going to come in. Now he has an open door. Now he can work on your behalf and come in and flow through and in you and in your life and make it look like what he wants. And he will honor himself and glorify himself in you. But you will be blessed as a result of that. You, you and will those be around you. Yes. 
will be blessed by your faithfulness to him. But you've also now demonstrated to the Lord that he can trust you. We can always trust the Lord, but he can't always trust us. We are flesh, right? So there are times when he tells us to do something and we really don't want to do it. Right? You really see that played out with parents and children. Where children are told to do something, uh, no, they don't want to do it. Or if they do it, uh, well, clearly the the excellence part is lacking or the enthusiasm, right? All the above. It's not really done as worship unto the Lord. But when we do those, and, which is interesting because at the same time, many Christians, many believers are like, Lord, you can send me anywhere. I'll go, right? You, you just tell me, you can send me around the world and, and all these other things. And that's, that's what many Christians or believers say. But then the Lord asks us something that's a little, and there's struggle. There's a, a resistance. No, I don't want to do that. I'm above that. Where we should just be grateful and thankful and willing to do whatever the Lord asks us to do. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. But by doing the little things, by demonstrating our tr- that he can trust us, that we will remain faithful to whatever it is that he is telling us to do, now he can go with the next thing and the bigger mm-hmm. things. And, mm-hmm. and as we continue to, to demonstrate our faithfulness to him, well, I'll say the sky is the limit in what he can trust us with. Mm-hmm. There is no limit. And we will see those signs and wonders. Right? Yes. Okay. So let's show ourselves faithful. Right? He says the same thing about Jesus especially. First and foremost, right? He was faithful in all his house. But he says something very similar to Moses. That Moses was faithful in his house. Okay. So we should have that heart and mind, the same that was in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And don't despise small beginnings. Absolutely. Don't despise those days. Don't. And it's easy to look at them and just remember how hard it was in the struggle. But don't forget that's where character is developed. Mm-hmm. When David was out fighting and when he was a, a shepherd laying in the field night after night, when he was out there, when he was a young man, when he was running through the wilderness and all those things and fighting and his character was being developed. It wasn't just about God putting him through hard times to see if he could do it, but that was where David's character was developed. Right? So don't despise that time, but look at it for what it is. God is working in you character, good character, strong strength and character that will stand and endure. But if you view it wrong, then it's easy to become despondent. Like when David was... um, not willing to go out where the king with the kings at that time he was probably feeling like, hey, I mm-hmm. finally got to my palace. I'm tired of living in the dirt. I don't want to be in a, a tent anymore. I want to have a home. I want my cushy bed. I want to wear my shoes. I want to walk on what floor. I think the king's life is supposed to look like. Exactly. But if he had viewed those early days, those small beginnings, right, because it was his faithfulness in the small things that caused him to be a ruler over much. Then he wouldn't have lost heart and began to sue and and begin to sow to his flesh. Mm-hmm. So look at it rightly for what it is. The small beginnings is our character development time. That's our time when we figure out: Will I stand for Christ or will I not? Because if you stand for Him when it's harder, right? Yes. yes. You'll stand for Him when it's easier, but not necessarily the other way around. If you can stand when it's easy, that doesn't mean you're going to stand when it's hard. But also in those little things, right? And as you were pointing out, that's where David demonstrated his faithfulness to the Lord, which is why the Lord could say, this is a man after my own heart. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. you see, I'll say as a type and shadow, the exact same mindset, heart towards the Lord that you see in Jesus. Just to be obedient to what he said, to have the relationship, the type of relationship that he can hear and see and know the Lord through anything, through his creation and how he's speaking to him, through by looking at the heavens, by looking at the trees on the earth and watching how they worship the Lord, clapping their hands, waving their branches at the Lord, and also how we should be conducting our life towards the Lord and worship 
-hmm. our spiritual service of worship, which also takes a physical manifestation. It's not just about going to a praise and worship service and praising the Lord and waving our hands and clapping. And it's not just about those things, Mm -hmm. but it is about doing the things that he's asked us to do. Mm -hmm. That is worship. Especially the difficult things. And when you've done them, don't despise those days. Exactly. Don't look back at them and go, oh, I wish I'd never have done that. I wish you... Don't ever despise and look illy upon your faithful walk before the Lord. The choosing, the choice that you make to follow Christ, even if it leads you down a hard path and people reject you because of it, et cetera, et cetera. Don't despise that decision. Look at it accurately for what it is. If he asked you to come, you know, for David, it was, he led him out to the wilderness basically because he didn't establish him as king just yet. He wasn't ready for that, right? That the path that God took him through to get him to the kingdom, to the throne, was not a pretty picture, flowery test. Mm -hmm. But David's choice to follow God is not one that he should have looked poorly upon. So I'm encouraging you in your life, when you follow the Lord, you make your choice to be obedient to his every command. And although it may take you down a road that is not pretty and perfect and desirable to other people, don't despise it because therein lies an opportunity for the enemy. But Just listen to what he says to do. And thank him for his love for you. And be obedient. Mm-hmm. And, and you brought up this, this point, how it got on this whole conversation about David where his heart was to go fight, Mm -hmm. to do the things that he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But then what's said? The people told him to wait here. Said, no, don't go. Mm -hmm. In the same, and and David's response was, okay, whatever you say, I'll do it. What does that demonstrate? Humility. And meekness. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the king, and his heart is to go fight the battle. However, we also have to be ready, willing, and able to be obedient to the Lord when he says, just sit, wait, mm-hmm. be, be still. still. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We have to be willing to do those things. It's just out of obedience. And the obedience comes from a love for the Father. Mm-hmm. And actually, for and from, because we're reciprocating his love, the love that he showed us first. That's part of a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's the reciprocation of that love. Mm-hmm. We love him because he first loved us. So mm-hmm. be obedient to what he tells you to do because you love the Father. Mm-hmm. Yes. What else? How come it said that Absalom made a statue because he had no son to keep his name in remembrance? I thought he had three. It does say that. Plus I'm glad had, you brought that plus up. he had a daughter who was beautiful. Yes, that was in Second uh, Samuel 14, verse 27. It says, To Absalom were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar, and she was a woman of beautiful appearance. So, here's the thing. He may or may not have had these sons at that time. Right? That's a possibility. I don't know. Um, But that is a possibility. However, the bigger thing is the fact that he built a monument to himself. I would have to say he's probably a little bit crazy. Um, (laughs) Well, there's that also, yes. I have questions. When he had a daughter named after his sister. And we talked about that in one of the previous, or a couple of the previous lessons. Um, Yes, but I still have questions. Absolutely. You could see his, himself being puffed up. He's of great beauty. Maybe his sons weren't quite as good looking, or he felt they didn't measure up. You know. So he disowned them? Not necessarily, but he didn't count them. You know, like people can have children, plenty of children, but in their mind, they may only have one. In their mind, they may there may be none because they don't reflect the parent in the way that the parent wants them to. Um, you guys don't know what that means. I mean, you're all making these questioning faces. You don't understand that because that's we love not each your, of you equally <laughs> and treat you as such. 
but some some people um some know exactly what we're talking about mm -hmm. because they've either been the the child that was loved and received all the love of a one or both parents or they were the outcasts one of the outcast ones that didn't receive any love and felt like they didn't measure up, that nothing they could do was good enough. Mm -hmm. So it, it may have been one of those things. Mm. So. Or, and by that, I mean, nothing was good enough. Nothing in was as good eyes. as, in their parents' eyes, especially in comparison or relation to their other siblings. Mm -hmm. They were never as good as one of the other siblings. So there are people that, that understand what we're talking about, just because you guys don't. There are people that experience those things. Yeah. So we must be mindful of that. Mm -hmm. But like I said, the bigger point in the picture here is that he was building himself up, making a monument to himself. You see that throughout all of Scripture. An easy one is Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep. Everybody remembers that now. Mm -hmm. And what happened with that? He set himself against the Lord, mm -hmm. was worshiping himself, and told other people to worship him. Then he got changed into an animal. Mm. He was still a human, but he sure had some, some rough features that made him feel and look like an animal and go eat some grass for a long time. Seven years. He lost his mind. And, and the Lord had to restore him. Well, until he looked up and gave God glory. Yes. And honored God as God is God and God is king. Not you, sir. So let's be mindful of that in our own lives, that we're not building up monuments or things to ourselves. What else did everyone get out of this? Slightly made me laugh a little bit. But that he got caught by that same hair that was oh, yes. his crowning glory. <laughs> right. To the point of dangling by it. I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, not that his ponytail. I mean, I, it, it's hard for me to imagine someone getting stuck in a tree by their head. Right. And but I'm sure. And he, then it holds them up. Yeah, I'm sure he kicked his legs to try oh, to get some, some weight or, you know, to pull himself down. Mm -hmm. I, it, it was... A little bit of amusing to me, like wow, that same hair that he was weighing when he cut off and all that good stuff had something to do with him getting stuck in that tree. But not that I wanted him to get stuck in the tree. No. It was just like that's a some some kind of picture to imagine, you know, someone being caught by their head. But the exact thing that he valued, that was clearly of uh, a prize or importance to him, was the exact thing that led to his downfall. I mean, the fact that they had a time to have a conversation, the donkey rode off, the man that found him looked at him, said, there he is. And then ran off to, to let other people know. To tell Joab. And I'm, I mean, like, they're talking about it. They had a conversation. <laughs> the other people arrived. and They're, they're gathering. Still, yep. He's still stuck in the tree. That was, that was something. That was, you know. Mm -hmm. He was stuck pretty good. I can imagine. I would have tried to, like, you know, create some yes. momentum and. Knock or myself down or get my hair out. cutting some hair off. Something. But he was just stuck there. I was like, well, that was definitely the Lord. Because how do you get stuck in a tree like that? I don't know. But it but, happened. But also understand this. Even when it seems like people are working and cooperating with the enemy, the devil has no friends. Absolutely. Like, make no mistake about that. He doesn't. Every single one of them is an opportunity, like... You're expendable, and you're only as good as how he can use you. And after that, he's done. You know what I mean? Like, there's the enemy doesn't care about anyone. And so the one that serves him faithfully is going to end up in the pit of hell right next to him. There's not going to be anybody spared. You, does that make sense? Yes. So I don't see the enemy having any problem killing Absalom. And pride comes before a fall, right? Yes. Yes. Says that in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 8. Oh, was that what you had out? You know? <laughs> oh, okay, ahead, we'll read girl. it. It says, Pride before, goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be humble, to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Oh, glory to God. I mean, you see that laid out right there. Okay. As, as we're going through this word, I, I can see, I look at Solomon and 
I'm thinking, you know, initially I was like, I thought I would just imagine Solomon sitting in the palace and the Lord just kind of downloading all these things to him. But now as I'm reading through the scriptures, I'm like, he's writing a lot about what happened in his family. Absolutely. You know, the, this beware this woman with her, her flattering eyes and all that stuff. And I was like, wow. You know, I, I remember comments that Solomon made towards his mother yep. when she made particular requests that were wrong to him. And he was like, give him a whole kingdom then. What are you talking about? You know, but then I can see God and this is how he's working. This is how God works. This running events of Solomon's family and explaining to him, that's wisdom from the Lord. Him going, now this is what happened. This is why, you know, like as a young person, I would read it and think it was just him sitting there wondering and, you know, the Lord is just telling him this with no reference, no point of reference. But that's how the Lord works. Exactly. As we're looking through the scriptures, I'm like, that scripture sounds just a whole lot like this right here exactly. that clearly happened before. But you, when you don't have the Holy Spirit guiding you and providing you and giving you wisdom, you can look at this situation and think, oh, oh, well, that's just what happened and keep going. But when you have the wisdom of the Lord, he'll come back and he'll go, no, here, let me uncover this for you. Let me mm-hmm. describe to you what's actually happening here. How did we get there? This is why it happened. This will, will happen every single time. And he gives that counsel to us. So you can see. This is how you should act. This is how you shouldn't act, right? These things are exactly sh- show and demonstrate the nature and character of the Lord. These ones are demonstrate the opposite, right? Which are against the Lord and his Holy Spirit. Right? But it's also the same reason that, that Paul writes in his letters, right? The Apostle Paul in the New mm-hmm. Testament writes, hey, this is how you should act. These things that you see and hear and have observed in me behave in, these, in this manner, reflecting... Mm-hmm. The Lord, his goodness, his nature, his character, mm-hmm. in and through us in our lives, every mm-hmm. aspect. Yep. Amen. There's always a reference point. There's always, that's how the Lord teaches us. So, like, like we have said and we will continue to say, bring it before the Lord. Let it pass by before him. So, or David asks us all the time, teach me your ways. Mm-hmm. Well, there's... How is he going to teach you something if there's no reference point? The Lord doesn't work in abstract art. <laughs> right? I mean, he even gave us the birds of the field and the flowers. He always I mean, points the, to the something. The birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And the ants. And right, learn from these to, things. To teach us about him. Okay. Amen. Even yes. though he wrote himself into our DNA. Amen. We're made in his image and his likeness. Even though he made us to know and call out for him on the inside. Whether or not anybody articulates it to us, we still know we need him. We may not have all the words to it, but we still have a knowing. Each human being does. But then he also gave us references. Mm-hmm. So. Amen. What else? Uh, I find it a bit repugnant, let's just say it like that, that they just cast him into the woods and put a large pile of stones into him and mm-hmm. Over him. That's right. just paid no regard to what David had said concerning his son. Oh. And it's just like, hmm. why did that make any sense to you? Nope. Well, it's also acting out of the flesh, right? What has David done for every person that's even been his enemy? He bears a big them. funeral. Huge procession. He's honored them, Right. And yes. he's even used those events to unite the people that were divided and give them the opportunity to return and to come mm-hmm. back and to restore the kingdom, again, in unity, to be reconciled back. And in this moment, it speaks very, well, to me, it speaks very plainly that Joab is trying to avoid that. <laughs> well, I, I, if you will, right? It's just, let's eliminate this rebellion. But... Um, he's also trying to prevent this from being a thing. Let's remember last time with Abner. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was forced to mourn, to mourn right? Even though he would, he was it was he was responsible for his death. I'm sure he's trying to avoid that this time. Again, Joab being responsible for Absalom's death or someone else's death. Yes, it is Absalom. But right, this is take two mm-hmm. of a similar situation. But I can see, like, from Joe's perspective, why he would cast him in the woods and bury him, like, secretly. Why? Uh, 
Also, one, because then Dave would see all the wounds. <laughs> and how crazy. So, so trying to cover up his actions? That too, and he also knows David and how hurt he'll be seeing his son Mutilated. Dead. Oh, yes, mutilated and, and dead. Not just dead, but yes. When his exact command was, be treat him gently, treat him kindly. But yes. I honestly think David knew that Absolutely. that was not going to be the case. Uh-huh. Because, like, we, we wiped your rump, Absalom, we changed your diaper, we, we brought milk for you to eat, and this is how you're repaying. That's a natural standpoint, and yes, we are always to forgive. But I think David understood, yeah. he already knew, because even, like, when you read the text, you don't hear the... This is what I'm telling you. You know what I mean? You're, he it's like is more like. Weed. He also like, understands the people that he is with and their mindset and where they are. Uh, I'll say the state of both spiritual and natural states. And this is a different kind of any enemy. Every other enemy has been outside his household. This one has been within. This one did not act like a son. He acted like a stranger. Yes. Absalom forgot who he was. As in, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long on the earth, right? Yes. Yes. That it'll go well with you. He forgot that. Mm -hmm. He forgot that David was his father. And at the very least, he owed him the honor of respect, of not killing him, of not upheaving his household, and certainly of not taking his stepmoms. And and I'm, I'm not saying it in a slang word. I'm saying moms as in plural. Not taking his stepmothers and being intimate with them. He he owed his dad that respect, and he has not paid it in any capacity. He has not. I said he's done nothing but destroy. And disrespect house, his father. On his siblings. On every Or turn. step-siblings, whichever, right? All the above. He's done nothing but upheave and destroy that house. And he's had it in for David. I mean, we, From the we talked about that. Back to Amnon. <laughs> He's had no respect or regard for his father, which he might have been the subject of that plot, but he settled for Amnon instead because if he had killed David, he would have been able to kill Amnon anyway. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, I think David understood that. Absolutely. Just Just looking at how how that, you know, like it's please, if, you know, that, that wasn't a, a hard command that he gave. Um, mm-hmm. And it, there was no fervency or fire behind it. That yes. said, I demand this from you. And I think you knew that when they told him, no, you stay here. They're going to get Absalom? Yeah. It's Maybe. possible. Maybe. But I, I think they wanted to protect him. To protect him, but also not only from threats of like people pursuing him, but also from him being hurt and distraught. And then he's finally coming back to himself. It wouldn't do for him to sink back into the place he was before. So that's why I say I can see Joah's perspective and reasons for putting him in the pit. Well, sure. And they were probably like you, for someone to treat his his father that way, his mother and father, because his mommy went on the run too. He didn't care about her. Um, but, you know, the Lord talks about how we're supposed to care for our parents, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, and not, not disdain them. And replace traditions with what his word has already commanded us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Regardless of how they did or didn't treat you. Mm-hmm. right? It's still to show them honor, right? And how do we know that? Because it says, bless those that curse you. Mm-hmm. Pray for those that spitefully use you. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. So even if your parents didn't treat you correctly, in accordance with how the Lord requests that we all treat each other, What's that got to do with how we act and behave towards them? And love them. That doesn't mean continue to be abused. Absolutely. We're nobody's whipping post. God didn't ask us to be a doormat or a whipping post. Jesus took all those stripes. Mm-hmm. Now he will ask us to lay our life down and put it in his hands and be obedient to Absolutely. him. Absolutely. And walk in love. Honoring your father and mother is fulfilled with the commandment of love. Right? Yes. yes. Okay. It doesn't mean you have to be a doormat anymore. It doesn't mean you continue going on getting abused physically, mentally, emotionally, verbally. It doesn't mean that. It means you walk in love and it means you forgive them and you allow the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to guide you on your interactions with them. 
And whatever he says to you, do it. Do that. With love, to the best of your ability, with your whole heart. That's what that means. As unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. So um, Absalom defiled and disregarded his own life. And they were probably thinking as well, why should you be buried in there in the king's tomb? And you've spat in his face and showed him your backside and dared to hunt your dad's life. And he's been, David was nice and kind and not um, ending it for him prematurely. Not so bold as to <laughs> challenge my parents in that way as a, a physical, um, like a physical challenge of getting in their faces or things like that. But I understood if I forgot who I was, they were going to, too. <laughs> they're going to forget real quick. It's going to remind you in a different way. Yeah. Educate me on my position and the fact that they are my mother and father. So. I'm going to take a phone call to that, to that effect. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's fine. It happens. Fair enough. Okay, well, so, here, I want to point something else out. In the first few verses, right, of chapter 18, what does it say about Itai? What were you going to say, sir? What I was going to bring up how before this, he was wary of Itai. I was trying to send him back then. Who's he? David, David. tries to send Itai back now. Uh-huh. Itai is a captain. He's leading them out, leading the troops out. He's leading thousands of people. And he yes, this you is go, in, I'll go, right? in chapter 15, yes. verse 21. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can read that, sir. But Ittai answered the king and said, as the, Lord, as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, surely in whatever place my Lord the king shall be, whether in death or life, even there also your servant will be. Mm-hmm. And he said this, let's, let's point this out. He said this, after only being there for one day, he had literally just come to the kingdom of Israel and to King David the day before. However, here, however long this has been, right, we don't know exactly, or we can speculate and assess and all those things, estimate. However, he has been appointed a place and a place of leadership. So, so let's, let's point this out because it's very significant. This is someone that was not an Israelite. Mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, assessed that, they came from, that this person came from Gath, land of the Philistines. But here he's been, he's come in. He has clearly been proven to be faithful, right, to David, yes. and has been given a, a place of, of honor and leadership. Does that remind you of how the Lord treats us? Yes. Us that are not, um, I'll, I'll say, born Hebrews and of Jewish descent, right? Mm-hmm. He says, I have sheep that are not of this fold. Amen. He doesn't leave us on the outside. As we prove ourselves, demonstrate that we are faithful to the Lord. He gives us a, a place of honor. All right? He's no respecter of persons. Yes, there's honor given to, to the Jewish people because mm-hmm. they are God's choice. They are as an elder brother to us. Yeah. And there is honor and respect that is due them mm-hmm. for having that place. Amen. Absolutely. You're not taking away from that. The bigger thing is that the Lord has plans for those that, I'll say, receive him, that humble themselves and submit to his lordship as Lord and Savior, mm-hmm. coming into his plan. He has plans. He's not a respecter of persons. Exactly. Abraham was not a Jew. The Jews came from him, but he was not himself a Jew. He, he was, was from, from Ur, Ur of Chaldea. Chaldea. Absolutely. It's a Babylonian. Oh. So then that means Noah wasn't a Jew? Adam wasn't a Jew, mm. right? Yes. yes. A whole lot of people that were outside of, quote, you know, this, they weren't Jacob's children, and that's when Israel was established. 
came to be, exactly, and the Jews came forth, they were of other people. So God has the same plan. He's not just now going, oh, everybody else can come in. He's going to change everything. Wait, you first know, thing didn't it, work out. No, it wasn't a new he called thing. this from the beginning. Jesus already knew, right? When he, yes. as, as you referenced, my love, I have sheep that are not of this fold. They were prophets. Um, the one who met Melchizedek, who met Abraham. Yes. Okay, they're all talking about God, but they are not of the Jewish people. The, the Jewish one people, true God. That's right. The Lord God Almighty. They're talking Amen. about him. Um, El Shaddai, they're talking about that God. The same Lord that we're talking about, but they are not Jews. So you see God's love for them equally, that he loves us all equally. Does he have a place, like you said, sweetheart, of they're kind of like the, the older sibling. Jesus is forced, the firstborn among many brethren, the firstborn of the dead. But as a people, so you could look at Jews as like the firstborn, the older sibling. They, they took the hard knocks. You know this, Kyla, as an older child, you, you get the major lumps and bumps, and everybody goes, oh, I see what happened. Let's not do we, that. <laughs> okay. That looks painful. Ooh. You know, and some sibling, younger siblings go, well, I'm going to try to do the same thing. Just, I just want the result, but I'm going to do a different go a way. Different way. Yeah. And you're like, nope. And then the older siblings look and shaking their head going, don't do it. Don't do it. And then the little hard knocks come for you, and then the next ones have the chance to look and make their decision. Hopefully you choose wisely. But honor and respecting them and that place that God has put them is important for us. Absolutely. But also, the plan, and the Lord's plan, includes fighting the enemy. It wasn't just to be cool and comfortable sitting in the palace. Mm -hmm. It is to conduct warfare, spiritual warfare against the enemy. To stand and fight. Mm -hmm. That is part of a kingdom. It's not always just roses, but it's to be busy doing what the Lord commands when he commands it. Mm -hmm. And fighting is included. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have given us the armor of light. Mm -hmm. That's described in Ephesians 6. Mm -hmm. For the pulling down of strongholds, mm -hmm. and principalities, and all those things. Anything that sets itself against the wisdom and counsel of the Lord. Mm -hmm. We have to understand and come into that. And be okay with that. Come into the Lord's plan completely. Not partially. Mm -hmm. But in fullness. Improving ourselves to be faithful. I don't mean proving by just by works. Mm -hmm. I mean by obedience to the Lord. And out of our love for Him. The secret things and the things that are clearly evident. Yes. That means you be faithful in the quiet corners when nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what you're watching. Nobody knows what you're reading. Nobody knows what you're doing. God knows. He sees all. Mm -hmm. Everything is naked and open to Him. There's no secrets from Him. But those are the places of faithfulness. That, that's where it's built. That's what God is asking for, not just what you do when everybody else is watching. Because we can all pretend. Yes. Mm -hmm. Who are you when, no, when you think nobody sees? Mm -hmm. Any questions or anything anyone else wants to add? No. Okay, well, who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. All right, Kyla. Lord, we just thank you for this devotional, God, and we thank you for the insight and the wisdom that you continue to give us and you continue to pour out on us, God. We just thank you for our listeners, God, and thank you for who they are in people, as people, God, and who they are in you and who you plan to develop them to be, God, and as you grow them up. I ask that you keep them, and you keep their mind, their body, and their soul, and their hearts, God, and that you help them as they continue to walk before you, God, and you give them understanding and discerning, God, so they can comprehend what you're doing and see you as you move, God, and to take the steps that they need, and that they can hear you the first time when you give them guidance, God, and when you lay out the plan for them and they can run with it. We ask all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, we 
love you. We love you with all the love of God. Mm -hmm. We pray that you have a blessed and wonderful day. God bless you. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.